and at large, I'm Leonard Lopate. Few operations in the war on terror in Afghanistan would have been possible without the help of a group of Afghan translators and interpreters. Although they served alongside our troops, many were not able to leave during the withdrawal a little over a year ago in August 2021. One of the people who was able to escape and make his way to the United States was Afghan interpreter Jamil Hassan. He's told the story of his and his family's experiences in a new book from Advanced Publishing titled Promises betrayed an Afghan interpreter at the fall of Kabul. And he joins us now. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You served as a translator for a number of military leaders in Afghanistan, including Generals David Petraeus and John Nicholson. And General Petraeus has written the foreword for your book, so he must have liked your work. Uh, I'm very grateful for his generosity, and yes, he has been so supportive uh, uh, on the uh, book, and that's why uh, this is important uh, for all your listeners to uh, get the book, read all the uh, facts uh, that are put out there from the unique perspective of an Afghan interpreter. As a matter of fact, this is the, the first book ever written by an Afghan interpreter about the global war on terror. And the interpreters were called Terps? That's correct. Now, what was their role? We're talking about men and women, aren't we? Uh, you're absolutely right, but majority of them were men uh, uh, working in different uh, parts of the uh, West's 20 years of engagement in Afghanistan, mainly in the military branch. Uh, um, the Actually, the, the interpreters were the bridge between the uh, coalition forces and the Afghan forces and the Afghan population. Uh, and that's why uh, initially when uh, the uh, uh, operations in Afghanistan Afghanistan began, uh, the Taliban were targeting uh, the uh, interpreters because they were easily distinguished um, as they did not put on uh, military uniforms. When this tactic of the Taliban was discovered by the coalition forces, they provided uh, uniforms to the interpreters. Still, they were targeted because the interpreters did not carry weapons. And uh, in order to uh, counter this tactic of the Taliban, the uh, coalition forces would put the interpreters among them when they were doing the foot patrol. But still, the interpreters ha faced lots of risks, not only on the battlefield or during missions, but when they were uh, uh, going home for leaves, uh, they, were, uh, they were the primary target for the Taliban. For instance, if the Taliban arrested any member of the Afghan security forces, they would f uh, make him to, uh, uh, to regret what they have done and just uh, forgive them. Uh, uh, but for the interpreters, the order was to kill them on the spot. What about members of your family? Were they also Taliban targets? Exactly. Uh, from the Afghan cultural perspective, uh, the parents and siblings are also considered immediate family members, uh, which is not the case here in the U.S. Uh, that's why uh, it's uh, most uh, in, in most cases uh, the family members of the Turks were targeted for uh, their uh, brothers and sisters or sons and daughters working for, uh, according to Taliban, for the infidels. Uh, they the Taliban uh, would not spare anyone uh, who was directly or indirectly linked with people who used to work for the uh, invaders, again, according to the Taliban. Mm -hmm. They called you, uh, they called the U.S. the invaders. Um, 
you uh, share a name with a former advisor to President Bashar al-Assad. Um, he was the, the chief of the Syrian Air Force Intelligence Doctorate um, and subjected to sanctions by the European Union and the U.S. Has that created any problems or confusions in your life? Uh, n not yet. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was not aware of that until somebody searched my name on the internet and then he sent me a screenshot uh, saying, oh, you, you, we have another Jamil Hassan here. Uh, looks like you're going to be in the same position. I said, well, uh, my, uh, my story is uh, totally different mm -hmm. uh, and my message is to uh, call on the world uh, to uh, pay attention back towards Afghanistan and the, p the plight of my people. So it's a totally different story. And in this book, you provide a minute-by-minute -minute account of how you and your family barely made your way onto a plane and out of Kabul on August 18, 2021. That's correct. This book, uh, though I have written it, uh, and it's the story of my family, but it's just uh, one in, in a hundred of thousands. It reflects all the chaos, all the problems, the challenges that Afghans went through last year uh, from one aspect and from the other aspect. It tells the story of uh, how Afghan interpreters were hired, what challenges do, did they face uh, uh, in Afghanistan, and what problems do they face right now. In fact, uh, uh, it's a call uh, on behalf of my colleagues, other Afghan Turks who are still left behind in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, in European countries, uh, who were promised a safe relocation to anywhere they wanted. But th they are still in refugee camps in these countries. And even we have some Afghan allies of the West in Ukraine stuck there because of the war that is going on there. Uh, so it's it's uh, though it, it is my story, but it's not. Uh, it's it represents everyone who were involved in the global war on terror from the Afghan side and also uh, mainly focusing on the evacuation. The book uh, covers many other aspects as well. The mistakes that the international community made in Afghanistan, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, who has to be blamed for all this, this chaos, the disaster, the international community or the Afghan leaders, uh, what has been happening in Afghanistan since uh, the uh, August 15th of last Last year, all these issues are covered in my book, and we also have a website called PromisesBetrayed.com. We are updating that every day, and there's plenty of information on that. So the book isn't only about the evacuation; it covers a whole all of uh, other issues, again from a very uh, different perspective uh, of an Afghan interpreter. And uh, you say that many of the people who would like to leave didn't make it out is still awaiting evacuation. Is it likely they'll ever be able to get out? Well, we I hope that there will be a chance for them to eva uh, to be evacuated, but the chances are very uh, uh, thin, and and I I don't know if they ever will be able because uh, uh, those who decided not to leave uh, last year they were afraid of the chaos and the attacks of the Taliban and the ISIS and Al Qaeda at the airport, and uh, you may remember what happened there uh, with that suicide attack that killed uh, 13 mm -hmm. U.S. service members and a hundred 
270 Afghans. After that incident, most Afghans eligible for relocation, I mean SIV applicants and members of the Afghan forces who were trained uh, by uh, the U.S. government, including the CIA, they chose to stay behind and wait for a properly uh, uh, managed and coordinated evacuation. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, some of them were advised to, to leave for third countries like Pakistan and uh, Central Asian countries, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, these countries. And they are there. They have run out of all their uh, financial support. They are in, in a lot of problems. Uh, I hope that the U.S. government, Canada, UK, EU, and other countries uh, ease their immigration policies and make it easier for Afghans to uh, be relocated. You said some, many of them are, are in refugee camps in Pakistan. They're also in the uh, United Arab Emirates, Qatar. Uh, and, and how did they wind up in Ukraine? Ukraine seems to me to be in the opposite direction. Well, when the the, the, the uh, Afghan government collapsed with the Taliban and uh, everyone uh, rushed into Kabul airport and there was this chaos, it was not only the U.S. government. We had all NATO member countries evacuating Afghans in any possible way that they, they could. So some Afghans, around maybe uh, three, five thousand Afghans were evacuated to Ukraine so that they will be they will be staying there for a month or two and then they will be processed out and uh, taken to their relative countries. Like if they had worked for the UK, they will be taken to UK. If they had worked for the uh, Canadian, uh, Canadian government, they will be taken to Canada. And if they had worked for the US government, they will be taken to, to the US. But when the war began there, uh, uh, some of them uh, uh, fled to other European, Eastern European countries, and those who uh, did not have any any friends there in Ukraine, who did not have any financial support, they they remain there, and we are still they are stuck there, unfortunately. And what happened to the ones who were able to come here? Have they been resettled? Uh, me and my family and uh, most others are the lucky lucky ones uh, and uh, of course the luckiest ones uh, who have made it here safely uh, but still there are uh, there are problems that uh, the, these Afghans are facing with for instance uh, most of the Afghans who were evacuated were separated from their family members for instance uh, uh, the, the wife and two children were evacuated to the US the husband and one or two other children is still in Afghanistan mm. and uh, in order for them to, to re unite, uh, they have to wait for years uh, because of the immigration process that uh, it, it takes. Uh, some uh, were, uh, some lost their family members in that suicide attack, others was, were trampled. And for those who uh, did make it safely to the United States, there are still problems. For instance, uh, those who were admitted uh, to the United States under the humanitarian parole, uh, they have only two years of protection to, to remain in the U.S. Uh, that includes me and my family, and we are already done with one year, and we still have, we only have one year. If uh, the U.S. Congress does not approve the Triple A Act uh, uh, that is there right now, uh, that allows uh, these uh, humanitarian parole parolees to uh, apply for citizenship and green cards, then uh, uh, we will be the, we will be here uh, in a state of stateless. Uh, we cannot go back to to the to 
Afghanistan and we cannot continue the life here because our documents will expire in one year. So these and many other are the problems that our uh, Afghans are still facing, including uh, uh, cultural and psychological shock because uh, bringing these people from Afghanistan uh, from a very conservative and culturally and, and religious-wise strict uh, society to a very open and democratic and free society in the United States and the things are totally different. I have pointed out all these cultural differences in my book and how they are uh, creating problems for Afghans. For instance, Afghan families are pretty big, like uh, five people, eight people. And in order to find uh, proper apartments or houses for them, it's very difficult here in the U.S. But there are Afghan communities already here, and you, I would assume, um, have a number of advantages. I'm surprised that you uh, aren't just automatically accepted here because you did work for the U.S. government, and you speak English very fluently. Uh, thank you. Uh, yes, though I am uh, uh, an SIV applicant, uh, eligible applicant, I have processed uh, all my documents in Afghanistan. And as a matter of fact, uh, I was about to have my uh, SIV interview at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul uh, 15 days after the uh, collapse of the Afghan government on 30th of August last year. But uh, uh, when, uh, I, I, when I arrived here in Northern California, I asked uh, one of the uh, agencies, the uh, refugee agencies, uh, they were very, uh, uh, they were, they, uh, they uh, agreed to apply on my behalf for uh, adjustment of the status for the green cards. But it has been uh, six months that I haven't received any update on my case. Hmm. So it's, it's not only the those who worked or, or were uh, eligible for SIV, but there are others uh, who uh, one way or the other never worked for the U.S. government, but uh, they ended up uh, uh, being evacuated uh, 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 in, during the last years of uh, the chaotic evacuation, so uh, they are the ones that are in 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 uh, that are in in shock, and they're they're worried what will happen to them next year because the two years uh, period will expire for them. And yes, me, my family, and most others, we are all we are very much grateful for those who were there last year, either the U.S. military, the U.S. Marines, or those who were there in their individual capacities, the U.S. Uh, Special Forces veterans and other agencies who evacuated all these hundreds of thousands of Afghans. And, and we are alive because of them. And we are very much grateful to all of them. My guest on today's Leonard Lopate at Large here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM streaming live at WBAI.org is Jamil Hassan. His book, Promises Betrayed, an Afghan interpreter at the fall of Kabul, published by Advanced Publishing. Uh, you talked about the uh, the chaos at the um, at, during the evacuation in Kabul, suicide bombers killing 183 people, including 13 U.S. service members. In retaliation, the U.S. launched two drone strikes against suspected ISIS-K terrorists. And the problem was that it killed 10 Afghan civilians, including seven children. Have you heard anything about um, how uh, that has been responded to in your home country? 
uh, in, in the months following that incident, uh, I was following the news uh, from from here, from the U.S. Uh, that family, the, the breadwinner of that family used to work for the United States Agency for International Development, the USAID, and they were mistakenly targeted uh, for, uh, for for being uh, the I, uh, a member of the ISIS and for suspecting of be of carrying on another carrying out another attack. Uh, unfortunately, they are still there, as far as I know. Uh, they were promised to be evacuated, but nothing has happened to them. Uh, it's not only uh, them; others uh, were also. Uh, 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 victims of this chaotic evacuation, uh, people, if you remember, who fall, uh, who fell from that airplane, and uh, uh, many others who were uh, separated from their families, uh, are still paying a, a, a big price for for this evacuation. For instance, there are 430 children who are evacuated to the U.S. Their parents and uh, siblings and all other family members are in Afghanistan, mm. and uh, they are in a very bad situation here in the U.S. Uh, some of them who were adopted are not allowed to talk with their families back home. So there are lots of problems still going on. And uh, th how cooperative is the uh, the new government f with uh, get l allowing people to leave? Uh Initially, they put lots of restrictions on the people, but later on, uh, as the U.S. Uh, pressurized on the Taliban uh, that uh, they should not uh, create problems for the evacuation process, uh, the process is still going on. Uh, uh, as far as I know, the problem is not from the uh, Taliban's government side. It's from the U.S. government side because it's so slow. Uh, and for your information, uh, there are 180,000 SIV applicants still left behind. Mm -hmm. And according to uh, estimates, uh, it will take 18 years, 18 years, one, eight years for the uh, uh, U.S. Department of State and Department of Homeland Security to process them all and, uh, and evacuate them. Uh, and uh, until the very beginning of the 2021, there were only eight people working in the Department of State for the Afghan SIV program. Eight people uh, in comparison to uh, 100,000 applicants every year, that is nothing. And still that number is has not uh, uh, added, uh, has not not raising to to the to the level that is it should be. For example, we still have only fifty people working in the departments of state for the Afghan evacuation, while we have thousands of um, and tens of thousands of people left behind. So the process needs to be expedited from uh, the uh, from the U.S. government side. And uh, luckily, uh, in this regard, there are no problems uh, created by the Taliban. But there are certainly risks for those who who try to get to the Kabul airport, uh, because that's the only place from where the evacuation is taking place. Along the way, uh, it's possible that the Taliban uh, find you, search you, find any documents that will relate you to working for the infidels and then punish you. So that possibility is still there and that risk is still there and existing. Do you think there's a double standard when you look at what's going on with the, uh, the emigres from Ukraine in comparison to what's happening with the people who want to get out of Afghanistan? 
Yes, of course there is. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the chapters of my book is uh, uh, dedicated to the comparison of the uh, war in Ukraine and Afghanistan and all these uh, immigration issues. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, the United States uh, created a United for Ukraine plan and through which they evacuated a uh, hundred thousand Ukrainians in a matter of three months while it has been taking so long for the U.S. to evacuate uh, the Afghan on the other hand the ukrainians those were civilians they were never they never served alongside us military on a battlefield while the afghans all of them either the interpreters or members of the afghan national defense and security forces they all served alongside the us in in its global war on terror they sacrificed their families and and everything they they had uh, but still we see this discrimination it's not only from the us side it's uh, from the uh, from most countries uh, around the world for instance UK has been sending Afghan refugees to to African countries. While it has, uh, it, it, at one point, it declared that uh, the UK government will pay 350 pounds to each family that they uh, uh, accommodate a Ukrainian family. So you can see the level of discrimination, and and it's it's very uh, frustrating for for us and for the uh, uh, veterans here in the U.S. who uh, know the Afghans and Afghanistan very well and and. Uh, acknowledge their sacrifices. Do you think it's because people from Afghanistan are thought of as as people of color, as Ukrainians or European whites? That, that, yes, that's true, and it, 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 there are other issues included. It's not that discrimination does not uh, happen only when the the Afghanistan and the Ukrainian thing happened. It was kind of uh, uh, Africans and uh, Europeans, uh, Muslims, non-Muslims. Uh, it, it happened, if you remember, with the when the Arab Spring happened in in African countries, in the Arab countries, uh, the uh, African and uh, Middle Eastern uh, refugees faced the same. Problem. They were not easily accepted uh, in most EU countries. Uh, the, this is not only about the people of color and uh, white people. It's about uh, it, it somehow directly or indirectly, if we uh, believe it or not, uh, includes a part of the religious aspect as well. And uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, as a matter of fact, the the uh, background idea of uh, coming from uh, a, a, a very conservative society, uh, the risk of being uh, extremist or fundamentalist and creating problems for them in uh, in their countries. So that also, these are all the elements that are uh, uh, considered here. How aware were you of all the chaos when you were on a, a C-17 plane as it left Kabul airport? Weren't you kind of sleepy on the plane? <laughs> Uh, in fact, when uh, we crossed the airport gate, uh, uh, we thought uh, uh, everything was okay and then uh, things would be fine. But uh, it may uh, surprise you that the problems we faced after crossing the airport were were more uh, uh, bothering than the problems we faced outside the airport gate. For instance, for 36 hours inside Kabul airport, we uh, did not have proper food. We did not have water. We were standing on our feet. Uh, I was separated from uh, my family, my wife and young daughter for 13 state hours. She had cried for four hours because she thought I was killed amid, uh, amid the chaos. And then when we were transported to Qatar, 
Qatar. Uh, we we waited for seven straight hours under 50 degrees Celsius, leading to a, to a one Afghan evacuee fainting out every 30 minutes. And in, in Germany, we spent uh, a week in, in an open hangar with the wind and rain blowing on us. No proper food, no proper accommodation. And then in Wisconsin, uh, in the U.S., in, at the U.S. military uh, base called Fort McCoy, uh, we were separated from our belongings. Uh, our, our bags and luggages were delivered to us after six months. So these are all the different phases of the chaos that I have uh, put in with, with very much details in my book. And coming directly to your question, when the C-17 left uh, the Kabul uh, airport, uh, I was in, in a kind of... Uh, most people they immediately uh, fell asleep because they were so exhausted mm. but for me uh, it was a, 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 a very deep shock uh, and i could not believe it uh, as i thought that maybe i'm uh, uh, it's it's just a dream and i will wake up and everything will be as they were before uh, and uh, as the uh, the more the airplane uh, uh, cleared afghanistan's air airspace uh, the more uh, uh, sorrow i felt in my heart Heart. I thought I'm losing something that I will not uh, regain in, in a foreseeable future. Well, you've said that currently Afghanistan has backwarded 100 years, that it's not even the Afghanistan it was uh, before 9-11. But uh, when you were dreaming that um, perhaps it wasn't going to be as bad um, as it looked, um, wasn't the Afghani government uh, during the, the years after 9-11 often troubled? That government was in trouble, and we accept that there was uh, corruption and the Afghan leaders were corrupt. They did not uh, deliver the promises they had made in different uh, periods of time to the Afghan people. But still, we were on the right track. Uh, girls and boys uh, went to school. We had universities. We had uh, private universities that delivered PhDs. Uh, uh, we had so many achievements. We had uh, freedom of speech. Uh, uh, women were allowed to work. We had three ministers and uh, a number of uh, ambassadors. We had a parliament that... Uh, uh, 27% of which were women and, and the examples uh, and the list of the examples goes and on and on. Uh, but with this current Taliban government uh, um, uh, uh, it's not an exaggeration that I say that we have backwarded 100 years because they have first of all they have erased all the achievements of the past 20 years and uh, secondly they do not uh, engage uh, with the Afghan people. They, they are against any single thing that Afghan people believe. For example, the, the, you may see the, the, the three-colored uh, flag of, the Af of uh, Afghanistan behind me. They don't even accept this, this flag. And Afghan it's, the, it's the, the smallest thing that the Taliban can offer to the people to make them happy. Uh, they do not allow women to go to school. Uh, they do not allow women to work. They do not allow uh, girls to go to school and so many other things. For, for instance, Afghanistan right now is the only country on earth that does not allow girls to go to school. You can imagine about the rest of it. And I, yesterday I read an article uh, about uh, Afghan girls in sixth grade that they are trying to uh, not answer as many questions as possible in order to uh, fail the, the final exams so that they can uh, return to the same class, sixth grade, again next year. Because if they pass and they move to seventh grade, they will not be allowed to go to school next year.
And and on May 7th, the Taliban ruled that all women must be completely veiled in in public. But when they retook control of Afghanistan, they promised to institute a modern form of Islamic government that honored women's rights. So what happened? Do Do you think there's been a power struggle within the Taliban or were they lying from the start? They were lying from the very beginning to the uh, to the U.S. to the international community, only to uh, uh, get gains from them and get compromises uh, from them. And uh, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when the U.S. Taliban deal was signed, they agreed to 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 respecting, preserving, and protecting human rights and the achievements of the 20 years in Afghanistan. But the problem was that the U.S. government did not take them accountable for their actions. It was a bit better under President Trump. If you remember, in 2019, he was supposed to meet senior Taliban leaders at Camp David. But then uh, a Taliban suicide attack killed a U.S. Uh, soldier in Afghanistan. And he said that I, uh, I'm canceling this, this, this trip by the Taliban leaders because they did not deliver the promises they had made to us. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, when the Biden administration came to power, it delivered all its promises that it had made to the Taliban. Uh, it, uh, the Afghan government was forced to release 5,000 Af- uh, Taliban prisoners from Afghan jails. They all went to the battlefield. And when it was the time for the Taliban to deliver their promises, their part of the promises, uh, the U.S. said, we are leaving. And then the Taliban got that as, a, that as an incentive, pressurized the Afghan government, carried out fierce attacks on the Afghan forces, taking provinces and districts one after another, and then running out, running over uh, Kabul. They barely and and, and, uh, blatantly lied to the whole world. And we can see it right now. They're still lying. Uh, When there are reports of... human rights violations by the Taliban, either on the battlefield against some resistance groups or against uh, civilians, they say that this is lie, this is baseless. Uh, and, but but uh, we, 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 I, can, I can see that it's, it's the fact, these are the truths. They are beating women, they are, uh, they are uh, killing uh, prisoners of war from the resistance group they capture and, and so many other things. And, and quoting you, you, you said, worst uh, is that the entire our world has forgotten Afghanistan, not only because of the war in Ukraine, but because they didn't want to hear about it. So are we just not getting enough news about what's going on? That's partially true. Yes, the unfortunately, the world media uh, is uh, focusing on uh, things that uh, are uh, that are important to them uh, in their societies. Uh, For example, it was very uh, interesting for me that in uh, 2020 uh, in Finland, the election was focused on uh, environmental protection. But for us in Afghanistan, things are different. So that, that's again the issue. And as of now, 35 million people on in, in crises, in humanitarian crisis, in human rights violations, and in, in the social and cultural crisis, the, the Afghan people, I mean, and, and more than 20 people, 20 million people of them are under poverty line. Uh, the hunger is, is devastating. But look at the whole world media. They are focusing on, on the death of uh, Elizabeth II and the Queen of Eng- of the England. So though she was, she is a very important figure in the world. The attention goes to them, but uh, we cannot forget the uh, Afghan people. Twenty. 
35 million people. They're, these are not numbers. These are human beings. And they stood uh, uh, alongside the whole world for the 20 years. Uh, and and uh, your listeners should, should remember this, that it was not our war. It was not the Afghan war. It was the world's global war on terror uh, those who carried out the 9-11 attacks were not afghan they have they had never been to afghanistan they were arabs they were trained in pakistan so uh, uh, we sacrificed for the past 20 years 70,000 uh, afghan forces uh, were killed uh, 50,000 plus uh, afghan civilians were killed uh, and all the achievements of the past 20 years are gone why because of a single political decision by the current u.s administration to uh, to uh, win some some hearts and minds here in the U.S. and and uh, uh, increase uh, the uh, the uh, rates of, of favorite rates here in the U.S. for maybe for the midterm election or maybe for the presidential election. You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York ninety nine point five FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. If you sign up to become a member of WBAI during today's show with a contribution of $50 or more, you can receive a free copy of his book, Promises Betrayed, an Afghan Interpreter at the Fall of Kabul. Just go online to give to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950 during today's show, and we'll be happy to send you a copy. That's give and then the number 2, WBAI.org or... 212-209-2950. But don't forget to make that $50 donation in the name of Leonard Lopate and Lodge, and we thank you very much. And return to Jamil Hassan to talk about his book, Promises Betrayed an Afghan Interpreter in the Fall of at the Fall of Kabul from Advanced Publishing. Now you have uh, been critical of President Biden. Uh, well, he originally promised the U.S. military would stay in the country until all American and Afghan allies were evacuated. So, so what happened? Well, it was, uh, I'm not critical of, of President Biden. I'm critical of his decision. It was not a, a, a calculated decision to withdraw all American forces overnight at, at, uh, and just put a, a withdrawal timeline out there. That's why the Taliban increased their speed of attacks on, on Afghan uh, forces and, and tried to capture as many provinces as they could. Uh, it had the U.S. government uh, uh, given six more months uh, uh, for for the withdrawal, uh, we would have uh, evacuated. The U.S. government would have been able to evacuate all those who were eligible for evacuation. The 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 primary applicants for uh, SIV and those who had worked with the U.S. government. Uh, uh, look look here is one s- small example. When we were in in Qatar. 
there were few buses, and because of the shortage of buses uh, at Al Odaid base, uh, we uh, not it, it was not only our plane. Every every plane that came there had to wait for seven to eight straight hours on the tarmac so that uh, the buses evacuated one after another. So that 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 is part of the management. How properly you have to coordinate and things, and then in Kabul. They evacuated uh, many of the people who never worked for the U.S. government or even the Afghan government. And those many of those people do not speak English. They are not familiar with the uh, uh, lifestyle here in the West. And that's why they're in deep shock here now. They cannot return back to Afghanistan and they can. They, it's very hard for them to, to live here in this society. But if they had focused initially on evacuating those who were uh, really eligible, then this whole thing could have been prevented. And it was not only the, the, the withdrawal. We knew that the peace deal was signed with the Taliban. And initially, there would be there would have been a power-sharing government uh, between the former Afghan government and the Taliban. Everyone wants peace for their country, for their people. We were hopeful that we will have a lasting peace uh, because the international community will be there supporting uh, the new mixed Afghan government of the Taliban and former Afghan government uh, members. Uh, but then, uh, starting from the very beginning of 2021, the U.S. Uh, military uh, upheld uh, providing critical assets to the Afghan Air Force, for instance. The contractors were pulled out and uh, uh, they were left uh, uh, with nothing to, to maintain their airplanes and uh, proper ammunition were not provided to the Afghan forces. And that uh, uh, um, uh, affected very negatively on the morale of, of the Afghan forces. And that's why they did not. They they believe that they they were betrayed by the U.S. because they left uh, the uh, Afghan Afghan forces alone to the Taliban to fight them with barely nothing. Uh, uh, you cannot fight the Taliban with bare hands. You need to have uh, assets. You need to have air support. You need to have ammunition, and they were all withheld. And on the other hand, uh, the Taliban were supported by the West and by by the U.S. Uh, uh, in, in the support was very large to them at the end. The, the, Taliban's, uh, the Taliban leaders visited Russia, China, Central Asian countries, European countries, uh, and, they, uh, and, and they, had, they held uh, negotiations with the U.S. almost every day. And this gave a very different picture to the people in Afghanistan and to the Afghan security forces. Well, you've said that you felt betrayed by Biden and his decision to abandon the country and appeared on Fox News to discuss it. But hadn't uh, former President Donald Trump already made uh, proposed a deal to pull American troops out of as Afghanistan as a positive uh, uh, Afghanistan? And, and Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, praised that as a positive step? Yes. Uh, look, there are uh, significant differences uh, in terms of the Taliban and U.S. deal uh, and signed under, the, under President Trump's administration and then the decision to follow with that under President Biden. There was uh, when he was Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo helped negotiate an agreement with the, the Taliban February 2020 that yeah, called yeah, for yeah, an yes. ending I, of U.S. presence in May 1st, 2021. Yes, and, I'm and coming Josh to that. Hawley, the uh, press for withdrawal even sooner. 
No, the, the, the withdrawal under President Trump would have been conditions-based. That's what he said, and that's what the whole deal was about. This means that had the Taliban stopped attacking foreign forces, Afghan forces, Afghan civilians, had they respected, uh, preserved, and protected human rights violations, had they uh, promised uh, in, in practice to uh, uh, to preserve and, and uh, support the gains of the past 20 years, the freedom for women's women's rights and uh, girls going to school, freedom of speech, all these things, the U.S. and the NATO forces will would have been withdrawn. But if that didn't happen, then the U.S. would, would be there. And there was also this plan that the U.S. would remain, would, would leave, 2,500 troops in Afghanistan to protect the U.S. embassy and to be there in case uh, there was the need to attack al-Qaeda and ISIS. But under President Biden, that did not happen. Uh, once again, I said earlier, when all the promises from the U.S. Uh, administration side was were delivered, the Taliban were not forced to deliver their part of the promises to stop attacking Afghan forces. They kept attacking Afghan forces till the very end, and, and still are are uh, targeting civilians in different under different names. And uh, um, uh, more importantly, is that again, I'm saying the President Trump took Taliban very serious and account accountable for their actions. Again, I'm referring to that example of the 2019 attack that killed a U.S. service member. And because of that, tr President Trump canceled the, the senior Taliban visit to Camp David. But President Biden did not take anyone accountable for that. Look, when the suicide attack happened at Kabul airport during last year's uh, evacuation, they targeted a civilian family, an Afghan family who worked for the U.S. government, calling them ISIS. That was just to, to draw attention uh, and, and, and uh, try to fix things, but that uh, made things even worse. So there, is, there are lots of differences uh, that uh, uh, under President Trump and President Biden. And uh, uh, I'm not saying that uh, the U.S. forces would have, wouldn't have withdrawn under President Trump, but there would have been certain conditions which the, the current U.S. administration did not consider them. My guest on today's Leonard Lopez at Lodge is Jamil Hassan. He's written a book called Promises Betrayed, an Afghan interpreter at the fall of Kabul from advanced publishing. This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. Should I assume that you were pleased when al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri was killed by a drone strike on July 31st? No, no. It's it's just a political game. Uh, for uh, your listeners, I should say that, uh, uh, let me ask you this question, and your listeners and all those who say that they, they made this significant achievement. Where was Emmanuel Zawahiri for the past 20 years? He was in Pakistan. He was kept by Pakistan's military intelligence, ISI, as they, they kept Osama bin Laden until he was uh, found out by the U.S. Uh, uh, government. Uh, uh, so in, in order, so Pakistan has been under very severe economic uh, conditions and, and, and in, a very, in a very deep economic crisis. It has been uh, asking IMF for, for uh, a, a billion dollars fund to, to help uh, rebuild its economy and help its uh, people. And that was not approved to them. And uh, uh, I, I believe that's that's what I believe. And, and many of my Afghan people and, and uh, analysts believe that 
uh, the, the, the Ayman al-Zawahiri was brought to Kabul by Pakistani uh, military intelligence and their information was handed out to the uh, CIA, to the U.S. government, and then they targeted him in order to win uh, some 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 good points for President Biden. Okay, this is the big fish. I got Emil Zawahiri killed for you guys, and I revenged for the 9/11 attacks. And in exchange, a month later, uh, uh, the IMF issued 1.1 billion dollars uh, uh, to to the Pakistani government. So it's all a political game. On the other hand, uh, uh, during the 9/11 attacks, 3,000 Americans were killed. And during the 20 years of war in Afghanistan, 2,500 Americans were killed. Uh, thousands of others were injured. Uh, contractors were killed. Uh, other NATO forces were killed. 70,000 Afghan forces were killed. 50,000 plus Afghan civilians were killed. And still, those who are responsible are out there at large. They're running the Afghan government. The interior minister, all Taliban leaders are on the FBI and CIA uh, watch list with billions of dollars of bounty on them, um, but they are running the government. Why is the U.S., why is the CIA not targeting them? Because they are also responsible for killing the same number of Americans who died in the 9-11 attacks. So it's just a political game. Well, the, I was interested in the fact that um, al-Zawahiri was an Egyptian-born surgeon who'd become a jihadist and wound up in Afghanistan. So is this a kind of an... In on one level, an international issue? Yes, it is an international issue. Look at the war in Afghanistan that has been going on for for, for more than four decades. Again, I'm saying it's it's just uh, the the war of of uh, we can say two rivals, two side, two different parts of the world. Uh, during the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, the government was uh, supported by the Soviet Union, and uh, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia and Pakistan was not happy with that because uh, Afghanistan had a very strong army that. Uh, uh, Pakistan felt threatened from, and that's why uh, Pakistani uh, inter in intelligence agency recruited Afghan resistance leaders called Mujahideen, and they were funded and uh, by the CIA. They were funded by Saudi Arabia, and they were provided ammunition through Pakistan's intelligence uh, agency, and they uh, uh, they launched the resistance, the jihad against the Soviet Union and the Afghan government, backed back, back by the Soviet Union until they were toppled. And then the civil war in Afghanistan continued. Then the Taliban came to power, and then uh, uh, these international uh, uh, militants. And, uh, and terrorists, they came to Afghanistan to be trained there uh, uh, until uh, then, until the 9-11 happened. But, uh, of course, the, the, the issue of Afghanistan is not only an Afghan issue. It has an international aspect. The main player in this regard is Pakistan. Pakistan has been supporting terrorism in Afghanistan and in the region for decades. It's not only uh, Afghanistan. It's Kashmir, the area between Pakistan and India. Share, Look, do they the share borders? Yes, they have Pakistan and India have borders. The, the area is called Kashmir, and it has been split in two. It's called uh, a Pakistani-administered Kashmir and Indian-administered Kashmir. And the people in Kashmir are, are, are not happy with any of them. They want a, a, an independent state for themselves. But Pakistan is not allowing that. India is not allowing that. And uh, and, and for when, when things got quite a bit in Afghanistan, Pakistan pre uh, put more pressure on, on the... Uh, uh, it's front with with India. So 
this is all, all just an it, it's it's an international uh, issue that uh, that still there are key players in the region involved in it. Do you think that Afghanistan may now be lost forever, and that the fate of your friends and family members who are left behind is tenuous at best? Yes, uh, to be honest, that's that's what I believe. Uh, as I said, uh, Afghanistan has backwarded a hundred years, and it's lost forever. The reason I'm saying this, uh, I have all, I've said all these information in my book. Uh, the Taliban are now uh, controlling the entire country, the entire Afghanistan. That's uh, uh, more than uh, uh, that's more than they did in the late 1990s. Uh, their number is uh, uh, larger, way larger than they were in late 1990s. They have more sophisticated weapons, airplanes, they, than they had in late 1990s. They have U.S. and NATO weapons uh, and, and airplanes and the all the assets. behind. Yes. And, and in, uh, so for in the late 1990s, it was easier for the U.S. and the U.K. to initially bombard their bases and ammunition depots and then remove them from from power. Now it's impossible. It's uh, 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 according to, to the estimates, it's impossible. And the numbers that we consider, it's impossible again to remove them from power. But uh, though it's late, it's not too late. Still, uh, the world can engage with the Taliban to put more pressure on them to submit into the demands of the world for for the sake of the Afghan people. Uh, look, the good decision that was uh, uh, made recently by the UN Security Council was to uh, uh, put uh, the restrictions back on on the, the uh, on the Taliban. I mean, the travel ban on Taliban leaders, uh, and that has uh, had its good effect. They cannot uh, uh, communicate or engage with other rivals of the US, uh, like Russia, China, Pakistan, and other countries. Uh, that's good, and that kind of other uh, pressure should continue on the Taliban leaders. Uh, and, in, and on the other hand, the uh, international community should look into different ways uh, on how to how they can help the Afghan people, the Afghan businesses, because the Taliban government has not yet been recognized by any, any country in the world. The Afghan businesses cannot do trade with the world. The import and export is a stop, and that is creating the, the, a very bad a, a economic crisis in my country. So if the international community look into different ways to help the Afghan businesses, I mean, the shouldn't directly support the, Afghan, the Taliban government, but there are ways that they can indirectly support the people so that they can uh, at, at least uh, uh, get a good meal uh, on on the table on uh, for, for for their families, uh, but but I don't see. Uh, I'm not trying to be uh, pessimistic, but I don't see a good future for my people in Afghanistan. Well, do we have a sense of whether the majority of Afghanis support? the Taliban government are happy to see them reinstated? Yes, in, in rural areas only, because majority of the fighting that was was going on over the past 20 years was happening in rural areas, in districts, in remote areas of, of Afghanistan. Those people are very much happy because there is no air bombardment. There is no uh, clashes going on between the Taliban, Afghan security forces and the coalition forces. But for people, uh, for the general population in Afghanistan, 
they are not happy though they are uh, when we see the reports coming out from afghanistan uh, people say we are happy with the taliban it's because they are fearful of the taliban anywhere international journalists go there to interview people there are taliban standing by they cannot say anything against the taliban the general population is not happy ask me ask those who are outside afghanistan those who were evacuated last year uh i i i experienced taliban's first regime in l- late 1990s and i can clearly say that the people in my country the general population is not happy with the taliban being in power we have one minute left is there anything you want to add before i say goodbye yes uh, uh it was an absolute honor for me to serve along uh, us forces and other uh, coalition forces in afghanistan as a uh, trilingual interpreter translator uh, and i am not uh, regretful of any bit of that my service and the service of my colleagues afghan interpreters and translators led to the development of afghanistan and its security forces and it saved the lives of thousands of afghan civilians because we were not only the interpreters but also the cultural and advisors and we advised at many occasions the international forces that this was the right decisions to be made. My great thanks to you for being on our show. Jamil Hassan promises betrayed an Afghan interpreter at the oh, fall of Kabul. It's published by Advanced Publishing. And, and that brings us to the end of our show. If you're just discovering this program and would like to hear more about one-hour deep dive interviews, you can access our nearly 700 past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. Our podcast, which has surpassed 1 million plays, is available on iTunes, Apple, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter. And if you'd like to write to me, my email address is leonardlopate at WBAI.org. Before I sign off today, I need to ask you to support WBAI to keep the show coming in weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. We're asking all of our listeners who have the means to do so to make a contribution at whatever level they're comfortable with by calling 212-209-2950 or by going online to give to WBAI.org right now. That's give and the number 2 WBAI.org. We need your help to keep bringing you this unique in-depth content, information you don't usually get anywhere else. And as I mentioned earlier, anyone who becomes a member of WBAI and makes a contribution of $50 or more in the name of Leonard Lopate at Large right now can receive a copy of the book we've been discussing, Promises Betrayed by Jamil Hassan. Um, so, so why not make that call right now to 212-209-2950 or go online to give to WBAI.org. And you might also consider becoming a sustaining member. Actually, we would hope that you would consider doing that for 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever amount you're comfortable with a month to help us be able to plan for the future. It's Those people are called BAI buddies, and we say thank you to them with a number of perks, including a WBAI tote bag to anyone who signs up to become a BAI buddy for $10 a month or more. Either way, I hope you'll call right now because WBAI relies totally on listener donations. We don't take ads or foundation grants, which allows us to be completely free speech radio. So if you tune in regularly to Leonard Lopate at Large, why not let us know that you appreciate what we do on this show by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 
212-209-2950 to play a part in keeping this historic station, the only one on the New York Radio Dial that's 100% listener-sponsored, alive and thriving with your tax-deductible support. Again, one more time, the number... 212-209-2950, or go online to give to wbai.org. And we hope you can join us again tomorrow when my BAI colleague, Richard Barone, will join me to discuss his new book called Music Plus Revolution, Greenwich Village in the 1960s. And uh, we'll see you then. <laughs>